Hello and welcome to another episode of the Veterinary Journal Club. I am very excited to welcome to the podcast Dr. Lori Fonken, who is a um, a licensed uh, LP wait right licensed counselor. What's the P stand for? Professional. Oh, okay. Okay. Licensed professional counselor. Okay. And you are the, you have started the program called Whole Vets and wholevets.org. Um, and you're very recently retired from um, the Colorado State University um, College of Veterinary Medicines, where you were the director of counseling and wellness programs for over a dozen years. And, um, and, and so I'm just really excited to have you here. Um, so thank you for being here, Dr. Funken. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So you actually reached out um, after uh, those of you that have been um, listening. We've I've, we've done a couple shows lately um, with Jeremiah Grissett as well as Marie Holowaycheck um, on you know various wellness topics, and it's through that that you were like, hey, th- there's some good stuff going on. We can we can add to the conversation, um, and specifically there are some programs that you're involved with. Um, so the Healers Art Program. Um, that we're going to talk about here today and, and, and a few other things. So, um, so welcome to the show and, and thanks so much for being here. Um, maybe we can start by, you can just give, give the folks a, a, a brief rundown on your, or your long career, um, specifically in veterinary medicine. I know that that hasn't been the entirety of your career, but, um, but a good portion of it um, has certainly been working with veterinarians in, in the realm of wellness. And so you were one of the kind of early pioneers of, of promoting wellness in our profession. So yeah, give us, give us a little bit of your background. Okay, thank you. Um, I started at Colorado State in 2008 and uh, doing counseling with the veterinary students there. And over the course of the time that I was there, I was fortunate to meet mental health professionals at other universities. I know there were a few universities that had embedded counselors within their program um, before Colorado State or right around the same time, Uh, Ohio State, Louisiana, Washington State. Mm -hmm. So we put together a conference, I believe it was in 2012, uh, for academic uh, deans and um, associate deans of veterinary colleges to really talk about some of the challenges that students were facing in their program. Um, Anxiety, depression, burnout, you know, all the terms that we have, compassion fatigue, moral distress, all of those things, as well as the financial impact of going to veterinary school, um, really uh, the workload. So we had uh, a veterinary mental health and wellness summit at Ohio State. We had that two years at Ohio, um, and they were very supportive of looking at how do we support the mental health and wellness of our, of our students? And so at the first conference, I can't remember exactly how many schools had embedded counselors, but sure. let's say there were 28 to 30 schools, let's say eight. Yeah. Um, one of the commitments that the deans and associate deans made at that meeting in 2012 was to really look at finding a way to have an embedded counselor within the program. That's awesome. Because as anybody listening knows, veterinary school is different than undergrad or even other graduate programs. And so the hours, the workload, the stress, it made sense to have an embedded counselor, social worker, well-being person in the program who really knew the program. Yeah. So I'm pleased to say that almost all of the veterinary schools at this point have uh, at least one, if not two or three, yeah. embedded counselors, social workers, uh, yeah. therapists within their program. 
And I know you have two at NC State. Yeah. So um, so when I was at NC State, which would have been 2008 to 2011, um, we had one back then. Um, so it sounds like that's it's grown mm-hmm. there. Um, we have a fabulous veterinary social worker at Virginia Tech where I am now. Um, and yeah, it's definitely it's definitely grown. And the other thing I've heard is there are more and more um, private practices, particularly some of the large specialty referral hospitals that are starting to employ um, you know, again, whether it's a, a counselor or a social worker or somebody recognizing. So it's it's actually seeping out, um, not just in university settings uh, in our profession, which is obviously fantastic. Um, so, you know, there are, you know, unique challenges for our veterinary students. Um, but, you know, there's also like after it's not like it ends after graduation. It's not like everything gets easy um, once you get through vet school. So I imagine a lot of what you, you know, providing is just that foundation, right? That like, you know, we need to set you up for life to have, you know, good uh, awareness and and good skills and tools um, to, you know, preserve, maintain your own well-being. Um, and so, yes, vet school is certainly challenging, but our profession is, is also challenging in, in, you know, different ways, of course. But um, so I think that's probably a huge part of it as well is just normalizing that like that this is just a thing we have to we have to make a priority. Um, and if you start when, you know, the students are in vet school, um, obviously before would be even better, but that's when we have our our first crack at it, then um, then hopefully we're setting them up for, you know, a career where that becomes an important component. So I imagine that's a big part of it as well. It is just uh, the awareness of the challenges uh, and then how that we really f- uh, focus at CSU as well on mentorship and the importance of mentorship because school is one thing, but it's nice to have a mentor that can bridge you through that transition yeah. into work. Uh, but but we do try and talk about these things early on so that they're aware of, of the challenges as well as how do you transition from school to work? And then what are the challenges that you're going to have there? And how do you ha- build some healthy skills and connections while you're in school that can hopefully support you when you when you get out of school. And at orientation, I used to say, welcome class of whatever, 2020. Um, My goal with you all is to help you maintain your wholeness and be whole healthy human beings that have the skills and expertise to practice great clinical medicine, Mm -hmm. but also take care of yourself personally and professionally. And that's a challenge. I mean, as you know, in school, anything that doesn't feel front and center kind of gets... um, over to the side. And, and, uh, as much as we can say, work on balance, um, we don't model it and, uh, and it's, there's not a lot of time for it. And so, uh, it's a, it's a challenging thing to do. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, you kind of implied there, like just getting a counselor or a social worker in the college, isn't that, that that's not enough, right? Like just having them there, there's also going to have to be um, sort of a shift in how we are, you know, framing our curricula and, um, you know, making time for, um, you know, or space time for that balance starting now. Like, let's start giving the students an opportunity, not just telling them, you know, awareness is, is great. It's step one, but um, it also has to, to come and from, 
the administration, from, like you said, modeling. So, you know, the people that they're seeing, the faculty, we also have to make sure we're taking care of those people, the house officers, residents, and interns. You know, it's it's great, um, you know, to say all these things, but, it, you know, it can feel like lip service if we're not walking the walk. And so, uh, but that's a, that's a bigger challenge, right? Um, you know, hiring a, a wellness professional of some kind is relatively easy in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's, it's taking those next steps. Like, what changes have you seen in that realm, either, you know, at CSU or just in our profession in general, um, you know, kind of since that first summit uh, or really when you started? I think that, um, you know, the add on of the of the mental health professional is great. And it's a first step. I've seen schools really looking at their curriculum Mm -hmm. and how do we build in more wellness? How do we build in more time? Yeah. Um, and just spaces for that. And I know um, Colorado State right now is going through a curriculum revision mm-hmm. process, and that's a big piece of it is how do we create and carve out this time? Texas A&M has been really good at doing that. I don't know what every school is doing. Sure. Washington has a really robust program, Ohio. So I'm sure all the schools in Oklahoma, you know, mm-hmm. are doing things. I think the conversation has really grown over the last 10 years yeah. around it. And like we had um, a committee that I headed up there at CSU called the core committee. And it was a group of people from across the college, Mm -hmm. faculty, staff, students, you know, um, from all the different areas of the college. So instead of doing things in silos around wellness, we all were trying to do something in common. So I think there's more programs like that. And um, I'm optimistic about it. And the other thing that I'm really optimistic about is that the students are saying, here's what we need. Yeah, I know that what is we huge. Want. We're going to advocate for ourselves there. The students at Colorado had a wellness chair in each class. Oh, so, cool. you know, class president, vice president, yeah. treasurer, secretary, wellness chair. So nice. a lot of things and SAVMA is doing a lot of wellness programs. So they're not only saying, here's what we need, but here's also what we're going to do. And yeah. that student involvement is critical yeah. to shifting this whole thing. And, I, and I'm really pleased to see the momentum around that. That is really great. I, I can, from my own experience, um, you know, I've been in an academic setting now for, well, not counting, it's like just as a faculty member for almost 10 years. And um, when I when I recently moved to Virginia Tech, um, I took over um, the emergency course for the third years. And when I was kind of revamping um, that course, and that's just one course. Um, but one of the things we added, I added a number of like, um, sort of discussions to the course rather than just lecture content um, on communication, we have like an ethical discussion, but one of them was just to talk on burnout. We just, you know, and I engaged our veterinary social worker to come join me. And, and we just kind of, we mostly just talked, you know, and it wasn't really structured. It was really just a discussion and conversation. And we tried to frame it. Um, and this doesn't have to be all negative, right? Like here's, you know, I love what I do. Like, you know, I don't love every aspect of what I do every single day, but in general, I love what I do. And, you know, here's what's been working for me. And, um, you know, here's how I've been able to kind of maintain my passion and my love for these things. And, you know, here's what I've done when I've struggled with that. And, and, um, so we kind of just had a conversation around that and that's not something, you know, I don't, I didn't have any classes like that when, you know, even one lecture, one, you know, one discussion time that wasn't part of like a course, that was course time that we dedicated to that. And that's one teeny tiny small thing. But I, I certainly see there was a time not that long ago, it wouldn't have occurred to me um, to, to put that into a course. So there's definitely a change um, in, in how that's going. And it, it does help to have those resources though. Like that, you know, I'm like, ah, this, this also feels like, 
I'm, this is not my job. This is not, I'm not a, not a professional in this. And so it would feel sort of overwhelming to talk about some of those things if you don't have the support um, to, to do it in a way that, you know, is going to be beneficial. Um, so I do think there's been a huge change, you know, just in my time in our profession in how it, one, we talk about it, um, right. which is huge. Um, and then again, the resources and more and more people, more and more experts who can, who can come in and, um, and explain like, yeah, this is a priority and, and it's, you know, normalizing it, I think is, is really important. Exactly. And what you did was you shared your story. Yeah which is really important for them to hear because they're in your footsteps, right? They're looking up to you and saying, how did she do it? Oh, she struggled, (laughs) you know? So you share your story and you have that expert or that mental health professional there too, to talk a little bit more about normalizing. And that's a valuable combination for people to see because then they're like, oh, I'm not the only one or I'm not alone, or maybe I will be okay. um, Even though I'm struggling, if she struggled and made it, I guess maybe I can too. So that's really valuable. And I've done some of my presentations. I've done a lot more work outside of the veterinary college um, over the last five years as well. And uh, it's nice to partner with a veterinarian. Yeah. Because we can just bounce off each other and they have the personal connection. They can answer some of the questions that I can't answer. Um, so it's really a valuable thing. Yeah, that's worked well. Um, like I said, our, our, our social worker is awesome. Like she's just fantastic. And so I actually had her join a bunch of the courses or a bunch of those discussions, the communication ones, our ethics discussion. And so she was just really helpful for me to have. Um, it makes me more comfortable that like, you know, I can just kind of riff on this and say what I want and then turn and be like, okay, so how do we relate that, you know, in a, in a you know, more, what, what are the real words that we should be using? Here's just my story um, and, and help kind of put it in context and say, yeah, okay, well, and then here's how that might translate to this situation, or here's how that, you know, might make sense for somebody else who had a slightly different um, situation. So she was really helpful for that because, you know, that's where I'm like, I'm a little out of my depth. Yeah, we can talk about the medicine um, and, you know, and the animals and things. But other than that, I can give you my perspective, which I, I do think, um, was helpful. I, I, certainly there were a few, um, f- several students that commented like, Oh, when you said this, that really resonated with me. And, um, and, and so, yeah, just having the time and the space to talk about some of this stuff I do think has been really helpful. Um, and, and well, the other yeah. thing you do is bring the mental health professional into the room. Yeah. And so the stigma, yeah, you're working on normalizing that as well. Yeah. Like this person is here to support. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to have a diagnosis right. or some yeah. crisis or something. This, the stigma is um, addressed in that in a way that you don't say, we're going to address stigma of mental health issues today, gotcha. but you just bring her in. Yeah. So then she's there. That's and, the other hope, right, is bringing her through and they go, oh, yeah, she's here. She's available. She's a resource to us. The more that they, um, you know, get to see her and interact with her, the better because she's she's awesome. Like, you know, I've chatted with her about stuff, too. And I'm like, OK, yeah. Um, so she's a wonderful resource. We're very fortunate that um, she's available to all of us, not just the students, but interns, house officers, staff, whoever. Um, and, and for now, I don't think we've completely overwhelmed her, which is great. Um, but yeah, so normalizing that and again, just increasing the awareness that, hey, here's a resource that you have available. Um, has been really good. So, so those are some of the small things. Um, but I would like to talk a little bit more about um, uh, the healer's art, um, which is a, a bit more structured. Um, and maybe, maybe you can speak a little bit more about what that is. Yep. So the healer's art course is a course that was developed in 1992, the early 90s, out in San Francisco by a woman named Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen. And she's a physician. 
She was trained as a pediatrician. Uh, and when she went to medical school, she's 83 now. So when she went to medical school, she was one of the only women in her class. Um, so she's really been a pioneer, not only yeah. for uh, the healer's art, but for women in medicine and um, really uh, addressing some of the issues that don't get talked about in the curriculum. Right. And so in the 90s, she was bringing together physicians that were out practicing in a, a monthly group just to kind of check in and talk about how things were going. And she asked them at one point, what do you wish that you would have had in medical school mm. that you didn't have yeah. that would have been really helpful? And so from their feedback, she created the Healer's Art course. Okay. And it's a, uh, a course that's been running since 92. She's 1992. She started it in a basement of a library at UCSF wow. and um, it wasn't in the curriculum. Yeah. She just kind of word of mouthed it, you know, that's and so 60 cool. students showed up, you know, it was just wow. like the need was there yeah. for people to be able to come together and talk. So it's a formalized curriculum. Uh, there are over a hundred medical schools in the U S and internationally that, that offer the curriculum. I, uh, my colleague, Jane Shaw, who is a communication specialist, yeah. went to the training for the healer's art course. You have to go through a training to learn how to teach the course. Sure, that makes sense. <laughs> I think she went in 2009, um, maybe. And then I went in 2011. Okay. So it's optimal to have two people from your school trained to offer the course because then if there's better success of getting, um, getting the course up and running. Makes sense. Yeah. So the course is five sessions. So it's a five week commitment or five session commitment. They don't go uh, every week. They go every other week. Okay. So it takes about nine or 10 weeks and we offer it in the spring. Mm -hmm. um, so we offered it, CSU offered it in 2012. We were the first veterinary school to offer it. It was kind of a stretch for Dr. Remen to let veterinarians in. But once we started talking and she has these Maine Coon cats that she just okay. adores. <laughs> And so she understands the value of a veterinarian. But once we really started talking, the um, similarities to human medicine and vet medicine, I think a lot of human medicine folks don't really understand that vet medicine is equally uh, as challenging and similar and even more so with all the different species. And so there was such an appreciation of the veterinary profession. Uh, that came from Dr. Remen and her staff once we started in the course. Yeah. And so CSU offered it in 2012. And since 2012, we've trained about 14 vet schools to offer the course and nine have implemented the course. That's awesome. So that's pretty good. Um, the course is uh, five sessions, as I said. I'll go over the topics in a minute. But the way the course is run, we have uh, a large group session at the beginning, which is all the students. And then uh, we do the topic of the evening. And then there's usually a reflective exercise associated with that topic. And then we move to small groups. Okay. So part of the course is uh, coordinated. I coordinated the course uh, at CSU, but it's facilitated by clinicians gotcha. and veterinarians from the community. Oh, great. Yes. And since we were in our 10th year this year, we had two of our alumni facilitate the small groups That's because fantastic. they're veterinarians practicing. Yep. yep. So it's a really beautiful mix of the clinicians they see in the hospital, also veterinarians that are out in the field working and possibly some alumni from the school. And so the students are immersed in this um, 
group of people and it's a discovery model. So there's no expert and student. It's not didactic. There's no exams. It's really experiential. We come together as a group and we discuss a topic and the veteran at each week, uh, somebody will present on the the topic of the night. We'll, we'll share stories around that topic. Mm -hmm. So it does take, um, a group of facilitators that are dedicated to, to the program. We always get them. Yeah. Uh, it's, they love giving back to the students, which is really wonderful. And the five sessions are, um, well, Rachel Remen, she's just an amazing woman, but she says, you know, medicine is a front row seat on life. Yeah. yeah. And that's her perspective. Yeah. And as veterinary students, you have a front row seat on life. Yeah. You see it all. Mm-hmm your patients, you see your clients, you see life being born, you see life going out, you um, diagnose, you treat, you cure when you can. Um, What do you offer? So it's a front row seat on life. And I love that perspective because it, it really is. It's that broad and that meaningful. And the five sessions, session one is on how do you maintain your wholeness while you're in vet school? Okay. Yeah. And as we all know, you come into vet school and you're a certain person and you've come from a place and you have a whole history. And then you get into this group of high achievers and the cream of the crop students, and you tend to maybe leave part of yourself behind and you put on your game face and, you know, it it kind of deals with imposter syndrome too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to really show who I am because I don't want to be vulnerable here. So what's the game face that you're wearing in order to be here in this class Uh, and to be in this place and to go through this curriculum. And so looking at your wholeness and are there pieces of you that you leave outside the door when you come into the classroom? Is it your creativity? Is it your spirituality? Is it your sense of humor? Is it your love of play? Is it that you have two kids at home? You know, what is it that you don't bring fully into school with you? Yeah. For, for fear of whatever reason, because there's right. no space for it. Yeah. And so we have people identify through drawing what what is it that they don't bring? And then they create a word for that thing mm-hmm. and then come up with a plan for how are you going to continue to bring that in? That's how are you going to bring in your creativity or your sense of play or your humor? Or how can you integrate your family into your life? And friends. I mean, I know I heard a lot about friends back home. They just don't understand what I'm doing. They don't understand why I can't come to their wedding. You know, so how do those parts of you that are kind of maybe not as accepted, but totally important for your own well-being? Yeah, it's well, it's really interesting, too, because I, I do feel like it, it's sometimes presented as an either or, right? Um, that, you know, you have to fully immerse yourself in this if you're really committed and passionate about this. And, you know, um, and I, I, I've often framed this kind of perspective is that, um, you know, being veterinary medicine, like being a veterinarian, yes, we say being a veterinarian, but that's, that's my job. That's what I do. It's not who I am. It is a part of who I am, right? Like that's one, but it's one piece. There's so many other things about me as a person. And, and I think for me, that's a really important distinction because I love what I do. Um, and if I couldn't do it tomorrow for some reason, that'd be, that'd be really disappointing. It'd be really, 
but I would be okay um, because I am a whole person and I have other things in my life that are important. And, and again, I'd be sad and I'd be like, oh, I missed that, but I would be okay. And, and I think sometimes if we don't maintain that rest of ourselves and then, you know, if you have a bad day as a veterinarian, that's your whole life. And so, you know, I'm like, you know what? No, you need to be able to, you know, there's so much more to who I am as a person so that if I have a bad day at work, it's just a bad day at work and I can come back tomorrow and, and I'm okay. Um, you know, or again, it's just so much as it can be wrapped up into your entire identity. And I feel like that's a dangerous place to be. Um, so it, that's always been really important for me um, to just maintain that like, yes, I love it. And this is a super important part, um, but it's a part of who I am. It is not the entirety. Exactly. And so making a space where people can talk about that yeah. piece and then in a group, make a commitment mm-hmm. to bring that piece in and then check in with each other and support yeah. one another in doing that. And so the vulnerability that it takes just even in that first session to share with your classmates, yeah. what is this piece? And right then in the first session, they're connected. That's cool. And that evening starts with a seed talk by a veterinarian who talks about the cost of not maintaining your wholeness. Yeah. What was the cost and consequence to them? Mm -hmm. And so they hear it from someone else and then they reflect on it and then they share it with their group so that it it just starts out and it pulls the students together in a, in a way that they're not usually together because they don't really talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. By definition, right. You left it at the door, so you're not going to talk about it. We're just going to study or we're just going to talk about these other things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I do think that's, it's really important for people to, you know, not, not that you can't change and evolve and not that, you know, the things that were important, you can't, can't, you know, we're not saying you, you have to keep every part of your life. You can, you can try new things and get rid of old things, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's this, that sense of self that there is more to you than just this, even if, you know, it's taking up most of your time right now. Um, and it is, you know, and you, you know, they don't have a lot of control over their schedule for that time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do understand that. And so it, it doesn't have to be like, how many hours a day are you spending doing this? That's not what it's about. Um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I guess more how you see yourself. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, you know, the course, uh, real quickly, the course is not, uh, it's an elective course. Okay. Because some people would want to make that, create that kind of community and others would not be comfortable with that. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, the students that have taken it, even the ones that didn't quite understand what it was, mm-hmm. have really gotten a lot out of yeah, it. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, session two and three are on grief and loss. Okay. And there's two sessions on that. Yeah. And, um, and it really talks about initially personal loss mm-hmm. and experiences of loss and ending uh, of some sort in your life. And so there, again, is a seed talk by a veterinarian around loss. And... Um, it's really beautiful because I think a lot of us don't, especially younger people, although the losses are, are still extreme in so many people's lives, we don't talk about it that much. And in order to sit with people that are going through loss, it's really important for us to have been able to talk about, share, mm-hmm. um, get support, uh, grieve our own losses. And so the two sessions on grief and loss are really powerful. I am. And, um, you know, people don't leave feeling really uh, up and happy all the time. Right. And yet the work in that is so important yeah. that most people feel a sense of healing after they've spoken. Yeah. 
And so as veterinarians in particular, and Dr. Remen and I have talked about uh, in human medicine, they don't do euthanasia. Uh, and um, so that's a piece of what we experience in veterinary mm-hmm. medicine. And so how do we talk about that? So yeah. it's, it's about our own personal losses, but it's also about sitting with others in yeah. loss. Yeah. And how do you do that? Uh, how, how do you do that without, w- with your own emotional regulation and all yeah. of those kinds of things? So you can really show up for someone else. And of course, after those two sessions, we've taken the deep dive and people are really connected and um, uh, feeling the importance of of this kind of conversation. And then the fourth session is mystery and awe. And it's Dr. Remen's favorite session, but it's what happens in your work and in your experiences that you cannot explain with science. Mm. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that a lot. Right. You know, we talk about what you're, what you can expect and here's how the course of this will go, or here's how that procedure should be. But there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of mystery and awe in yeah. life in general, yeah. um, but in medicine for sure. Oh yeah. And so again, veterinarians share, and we have more than one do the seed talk on mystery and awe. They share stories about things that, you know, diagnoses that turned around and, yeah. Uh, things that maybe didn't go well that were totally unexpected, but ended up in a different way. And so it makes it okay to talk about that. Yeah. And not yeah, that we... like it, you're some oddball or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and and kind of normalizes we, we don't have all the answers um, and that's okay too. Um, and, and we can, we can sort of um, take some joy and excitement, like you said, that, that awe, you know, of, of, things being outside of that, there's something, you know, powerful about that in and of itself. Um, and accepting that, you know, that it doesn't have to be this like horrible thing that we don't have all the answers. It can actually be kind of a beautiful thing, um, that mm-hmm. we don't, we can't explain everything. Maybe not everything needs to be explained. Everything doesn't need to be explained. And how do you sit with that? Yeah. Cause what, I mean, veterinarians are problem solvers, yep. yeah. uh, fixers. Yep. So it's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we start to get comfortable with sitting with that unknown. And we start with little things like the flower that grows up in the crack in the concrete. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we had a big fire here eight years ago and uh, my parents had this one tree that was really important to them. Everything else was burned. But when we got up there, that one tree had survived. I mean, how does that happen? You know, so Mm -hmm. just those awesome and mysterious things that happen in our daily life. Um, And so the students start to see it more. Yeah. And they'll sense. start to share it and they'll be like, oh, I saw this. And it was just, I mean, so mysterious or awesome. And how did that happen? You yeah. know, so it starts to open their eyes. And again, Dr. Remen says, you know, it's not about um, seeing the same things with the same eyes, but it's about seeing the same thing with new eyes. And, and it's kind of that experience as they go through the course. That's really cool. And then the fifth session is on service and how do we serve? And it's a lot of what you just said about, I, I do this kind of medicine or I am mm-hmm. this kind of doctor, but I'm also this being. And so how do I want to serve people? And we take the veterinarian oath and, um, and then uh, create their own oath by saying, by going through a reflective exercise on what's, what would your ideal workplace look like? Who mm-hmm. would you be working with? How would that, how would your day look? What would your colleagues be like? What is the highest value of you and your work? Hmm. And so they create this oath for themselves. And it's not the veterinarian's oath. 
at the end of the course, it's like, um, uh, help me to listen to every client that I see to hear the story underneath the story. Yeah. Yeah. Or help me be present in difficult situations or help me remember that my self-care is equally as important as others care and I can't serve if I'm not well. And so they come up with an oath at the end. So they kind of have this whole, it was very interesting this last spring, we did it online virtually, which worked fine. Yep. And our piece of us that we had left out at the beginning Mm -hmm. of our wholeness came through in our oath and it was a connection. Oh, very you cool. Know, it was, it was, I haven't had that happen in 10 years of teaching the course where a group actually was able to come full circle um, and go back to a lot of their oath had things in it that had to do with their first reflective exercise. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really great. So, it's been a really meaningful course to the yeah. students. I have some of the feedback. I don't know if you want to hear. Yeah, let's see. Let's hear read. it. Um, but um, let me see if I can pull this up. Just a few of the comments. Um, the confidential nature of the Healers Art small group allows for more trusting environment to open up and be ourselves. I've shared stories I would not share with my veterinary school small groups. Um, typically, veterinary group work is focused on academics, fast-paced and professional, even somewhat competitive. In contrast, the group work in the Healers Art allows us to connect and support each other in a more personal and emotional way. The environment feels safe, open, and allows space and time for reflection. Um, It's very different as it was self-care focused. I learned that there's a story behind everyone. We can't possibly tell what a person is like until we listen to them. I love that. It reminded me that we each have our own unique story. Uh, One of the main outcomes for students is I don't feel alone. Mm. I'm not the only one. And then the faculty say... Um, I realized there were aspects of vet med that occur without being recognized and how much it affected and is affecting my personal and professional life. Um, I find it rejuvenating and it reminds me of why I teach and why I love the profession. I treasure the opportunity to connect with students. I want to provide veterinary students training and insight that I had to learn the hard way over 31 (laughs) years in practice. The Healer's Art provides pounds of prevention and setting students up for a career and life of success. Had the Healer's Art curriculum been a part of my education, I may have had a better knowledge and understanding of resources at my disposal. disposal. Um, so the faculty also yeah. tend to get a lot out of teaching the course and being in that environment with the students. Yeah. So that's just a, a snapshot yeah. of it. Um, but I have found that it, it helps with resilience, yeah. at least in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have over a thousand students that have been trained in the healer's art and at eight different institutions or nine institutions. And at the end of the course, everybody gets a healer's art pin. Uh-huh. And so I've had, I had a student who did not take the course, uh, who lost her brother suddenly in her senior year. She found a faculty member with the pin on and said, I need some help. Yeah. So it's kind of making these yeah. other connections as yeah. well. People are recognizing um, what that means. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I, I love the course and I, I love there's some research uh, behind the course yeah. um, and I can provide some articles and I'll provide the website for the course. Yes, that would be great. Uh, 
and we had an article written. Dr. Shaw has had a couple articles published on the Healer's Art course and empathy and some of those kinds of things. So. I love that in, in one of the common themes that I was kind of hearing in the, the, the comments, particularly those from the students, was that sense of connection. Um, and the, I think it was the first comment that you mentioned where the student was like, yeah, these are I shared things with you know people that I don't share with my my group, which I'm guessing is like, you know, your stu- your study group or your little circle of friends. And it, it's real. That was for me was really powerful. And what you're saying is, is that you are leaving something behind, right? Like you're you're forming this this friendship circle. But you're still not bringing your whole self to that because you don't, it's not necessarily either that you don't feel safe enough to, to share that or it just doesn't feel like the right time or space or we're here to study or we're here to do these other things. And yet we created an environment that you did feel like you can make that connection. And these are not your close friends, you know, but that was sort of implied in that comment that these are people I probably wouldn't have, you know, gr- you know, developed that connection with. But um, I think that speaks a lot to how it's set up that people felt safe to be vulnerable and to share things that um, they they wouldn't necessarily have shared with you know, self-declared their friends. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that really speaks to that. I think that first session, that wholeness um, and how important that can be uh, to, that, you know, they're provided with the opportunity to, to do that. Um, you know, whether that is, you know, self-imposed or, you know, the, you know, the system kind of doesn't allow for that either way. It sounds like, you know, for, if not everybody, at least a cohort of the students are like, we need this, you know, this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And some of the groups continue to meet throughout the rest of their oh, that's cool. uh, time in school. Yeah. And afterwards as well, they become very close. Well, and it sounds like, you know, it, this started out as a support group, like that's what it was. And this, even though it's a course, it, it is really, you're developing a support group that, you know, it's a little more structured maybe um, than a, a typical support group, but that that, that sounds a lot like what's going on. And, um, and that's really powerful. And, and again, setting people up for creating habits or expectations or, or I, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, what I'm thinking, but that normalizing that like, Hey, just talking with other people about these challenges that we have is normal and okay and helpful and, and can actually be healing, um, just to talk about it and to, you know, hear someone else's story and normalize some of these things. Um, you know, that in and of itself can be really powerful. Um, yeah. And the, one of the key elements of the course is generous listening. It's listening just to hear the story. That's it. Yeah. No fixing, no advice giving, no judgment, no sharing your same story. Yeah. Just listening. And most of us actually aren't just listened to generously and we don't generously listen. And so Mm -hmm. the learning and connection that comes through the safety of creating a space where you can do that, um, I think changes people. Yeah. Whether they know it or not, they probably won't go out and say, well, that generous listening changed the way I talk to clients, Yeah, but it does shift them. Yeah. I yeah. can imagine that. I've not heard that phrase before, but I, I do. I like that. Um, the, yeah, that I'm doing this. I'm not waiting for my turn to speak. This isn't anything I'm going to get out of it. And again, I'm not to, like, how can I fix this? Because that is a little bit of thinking about me. Okay. How can I fix this problem? Which is hard for a lot of veterinarians, right? Like that's what mm-hmm. we want to do. I want to fix the problem. Um, but just being there and being present and just how helpful that can be for someone to just be listened to. Um, mm-hmm. that's enough. Yep. And the ground rules set that up from the beginning. That's great. And what I've learned as a therapist as well is my generous listening is probably sometimes all that someone needs. Yeah. Just, they just need to be heard. Yeah. And 
that's it. So it's a really powerful gift. Yeah, that's great. Generous listening. I like that phrase. Um, Mm -hmm. Now you, uh, I don't, we've talked a little bit about this and I, um, you know, I I think that's really helpful. And again, we'll put the, um, the information for that um, uh, on the website for the podcast, but you also um, have uh, a program out there for house officers, for residents and interns, right? So they haven't been forgotten, um, which is fabulous because they, they definitely are dealing with the brunt of all sorts of things because they're kind of in this in-between stage. Um, they're kind of a student, kind of, you know, they're veterinarians, but they're, they're in a, it's tough. It's incredibly tough. So um, maybe you can share a little bit about, about that program. Yes, it's called Tending the Flame. And I believe it was started in 2016. So it's a lot okay. newer. Um, there's not a lot of research out on it or anything, there. but it's, it's a similar format to the healer's art course. Okay. It's not five sessions because of the, the setup of a resident and house officer's schedule. Right. But there are two um, longer sessions that are like, uh, there's a session on um, uh, staying connected to the meaning of your work. Mm. Yeah. And um, we use symbols to share stories around what brought us or meaningful parts of our work or something like that. So it's a very personal reflective uh, time on really looking at the meaning of the work that we do and um, how we got here and how we'll stay here. And some of the key moments that touch our hearts that uh, keep us, keep us us here. Yeah. And so it's beautiful because people have been out practicing mm-hmm. and so they have these stories that are just incredibly moving. Um, and so they come together in uh, a group and share those. And then, and, you know, each school is doing it differently. I, I got the green light to share this with veterinary colleges. And so I'm just now starting to reach out to them to oh, see how, is. how I can get in touch with resident directors and all of yeah. that. Um, so uh, that's one session. And then we also do the service session with, okay. with the tending the flame. So really, how do you serve and how do you want to serve? And what, what, what types of service um, really relate to the meaning of your work gotcha. and the values and the ethics? And, you know, that there deals with moral distress, which mm-hmm. I heard um, you talk about in the last session and burnout and all of those things. So how are we serving yeah. in our, in, in our, to our highest good? And, um, so those two are longer sessions. And then in the meantime, um, in the other weeks, they have a finding meaning in medicine group. Mm-hmm. They would be finding meaning in veterinary medicine group. Yeah. Once we get this off the ground where they just come together for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a topic for that finding meaning in medicine group, and it could be, uh, gratitude or it could be um, anxiety, or it could be joy, uh, yeah. kindness, whatever. They, we come up with the topic ahead of time, and then, and then they discuss that. So in between the two larger sessions, there's these finding meaning in medicine groups that continue on. And yeah. so the group comes together for these two really profound sessions and then continues to meet, but not for that uh, the five week time. Yeah. Or the five sessions. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really a nice way to do it. And, and the finding meaning, sometimes people can make it, sometimes they yeah. can't, but they try to make those. Um, so it's adapted to yeah. the life of a medical resident, which sure. would 
obviously translate to a veterinary yeah. resident or house officer. And I have been really speaking with um, the Remen Institute about sharing the tending the flame with some practices, you know, these yeah. bigger practices that may be interested in doing it for their clinicians or clinician groups yeah. um, to really um, build in this to help with sustainability yeah. and I mean, that, that, right. That's, I like just even the name of it, tending the flame like this. There was a spark. There was something that got you in this to, you know, in the first place, like nobody got into veterinary medicine for the paycheck. Like you, you didn't, <laughs> that was, that would be a terrible choice if you had. Um, and, uh, and that's not what drives us, right? Like there was something else, um, you know, for, for each of us that like drove us into this profession. And, um, and I like the idea of tending, you know, tending to that. And mm-hmm. let's get back to like, why, why are you here in the first place, um, because it's easy to get distracted by so many other things and, you know, the, our, our job requests and requirements and all the little things we have to do. But, um, you know, getting back to like, why, are, why did I do this in the first place? I think that's really important. Yeah. And it's been really valuable to see this in physician group or, uh, physician groups that, um, they've run and resident groups. Yeah. And, you know, each school, I think there's some flexibility in how they set it up. Maybe not all residents would want to come. Sure. Maybe not all would be invested in it. Yeah. Um, so, but that too, um, you go through the training through Rishi and okay. um, I'll put that on the website and that training is actually next week. So mm-hmm. we'll have to look at 2022 for yeah. hopefully getting some veterinary uh, house officer programs involved. I'm still working on how to find that information, but I'll get there. And then um, also the healers art, we're looking at expanding to veterinary technicians. So I'm going to start working, reaching out to some of the veterinary tech schools to see if they would like to pilot it. And um, I'll help them with that. Because again, they offer it to nurses now. Mm -hmm. Rachel has really, Dr. Remen has really expanded from physicians first only to veterinarians and then nurses and PAs and PTs. And I mean, yep. We're all healers. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Healers. Healers. Yep. Yeah. That's really great. Um, yeah, it's really fantastic to see again, you know, more investment, I guess, in, um, the, you know, the time, the effort and just prioritizing these types of things, um, is, is really huge. And again, there's lots of different ways that it, it can, it can look at, you know, different, not every school is going to do it the same way, but, um, but developing these types of programs. And if those, those can fit at your institution, again, whether that's a, a vet school or, you know, things like this, if it's a practice and you're like, Hey, I, I want to, you know, something like this for my employees, I can, I can imagine, um, something like that being important. And, um, in the same way that communication skills have been, you know, that's become like, Hey, this is a huge part of what we do. Um, that didn't used to be part of the curricula in, you know, in human or veterinary healthcare. And, and it is, it's a huge part of them now. And this is, this is similar to that in that regard is recognizing that, um, you know, we can't just teach the medicine and expect that we're going to go out there and, and be successful and have sustainable careers that um, we really have to train professionals um, and, and all that that entails. And um, so it's it's really great that, you know, you and, and, and a lot of the folks that, um, you know, have been really passionate about wellness, specifically in veterinary medicine, which is great. And, um, you know, obviously, 
I'm obviously passionate about this profession, but it's it's lovely when we have um, folks from kind of parallel professions that that see that and and recognize that need and um, and you guys have made a ton of progress. It sounds like um, in really a short period of time, actually, um, when you really think about it. And so that's that's so gratifying to see. And um, and I really hope that these programs continue to grow and and more. Um, you know, whether it's the healers art or other things like them. You know, I imagine you're not super picky. Um, of course. You, you know, you obviously are going to feel uh, a lot of, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to feel strongly about the healer's art, but um, whatever folks are doing is a good thing. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's just nice to see that um, being promoted and prioritized. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of different veterinary schools who have, that have a course on wellness yeah. or, you know, yeah. all different kinds of ways that they're talking about yeah. it. And it's, just glad that it's being talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but thanks for all that you have done um, and continue to do um, because you, um, again, I, I think I said at the beginning that you very recently retired. Um, and, but so you are now, um, you have your website, wholevets.org. Um, and so that is, um, you know, you're trying to promote educational programs and, you know, not just healers art, but maybe um, smaller sessions that really sounded, mm-hmm you know, like can be catered to just about whatever, um, scenario you're talking about, right? Any group. Yep. I've done a lot of different groups in the COVID year. I've done a lot of webinars. (laughs) I did my first Instagram live (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with Marty Becker. I mean, um, some of those kinds of things have been really fun to do. And, uh, the one thing I haven't done is update my website, which I will, but, um, it's fairly new and I'm just kind of transitioning into that. Uh, but I love speaking to groups, small or large, and doing workshops. I think when we can get in a room and share our stories mm-hmm. and, again, feel that connection. And even if we don't say anything, just hear other people. Yeah. Um, but I've had veterinarians say to me at conferences, I can't believe you got those people to actually talk about that in the room. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it is amazing. But it, it's, it's funny when you, know, you say that, you're like, I can't believe you got them to talk. But that person probably needed to talk, right? Like they were just looking for an outlet, um, to share, you know, their story and, you know, to maybe have somebody listen generously to them. And, um, because it is, it is, we all need that at some point and in some ways. So, um, there's clearly a need. Um, and yeah, I I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this and what we'll do is we'll make sure we put all of these resources. We'll make those available to the listeners. Um, and so we'll, you'll be able to, um, reach out to Dr. Funken. And if you're looking Absolutely. for, yeah, um, if you have more, you know, questions or things like that, um, we'll make sure people know how to get in touch with you. And uh, yeah, but thank you so very much for coming on to the show and sharing all of all of your work with us. And, um, and I hope to see just more and more progress in this field in, in our profession. I, I really appreciate the time and that you reached back out to me so quickly and your willingness and generosity to to open it up for this. And, um, and if students want to reach out to me too, just for ideas of things mm-hmm. that I've learned over the last 13 years and uh, some of the things that have worked really well, um, I'm happy to speak with them at any time. Awesome. Thank you so much, so much for coming on the show. And, um, and yeah, so uh, that's it for this one, but I'm sure we'll have more conversation on this topic and, and maybe you'll, you'll be able to come back to the show and, and we can talk about something in, in more detail or, or we'll, we'll see where it goes. That sounds great. Thank you for your work. Oh, thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time or hear you next time. I don't know what that means. All right. Bye. Bye.